Hello and welcome to the Racing with Robin Roller podcast. I'm Josh Roller here in Charlotte where it is storming, so I apologize if you hear thunder and lightning. And my counterpart of the show is Rob Peters in Indianapolis. They had some storms roll through there last night. I don't think it's the same cells, but uh, you know I know who stormed to uh, to wins this week? A few people. There was a lot of lightning and thunder on the track, a lot of excitement. Horrible transition. Don't ever use that one, folks. But Rob is going to talk a lot about the inaugural Portland E-Prix and how Formula E put on quite the spectacle. Plus, should Portland be the new home for Formula E in the United States? We'll talk about that. Uh, has a new potential uh, for Formula E been unlocked even? A wild weekend in NASCAR, see Chevrolet sweep and a double win for Worldwide Express because hometown track house took home the win in the Cup Series with Ross Chastain and Carson Osevar in the Truck Series. Josh Berry joins Stuart Haas Racing in 2024, but will he be the only new face in the Cup Series for SHR in 2024? Plus some news updates for Nashville Fairgrounds. Let's get to smashing some watermelons on this show with Rob's Racing Report. It's jam-packed. Go for it, Rob. All right, guys, we're going to have to run through this pretty quickly because this is there's a lot. I'm talking about a lot of news. So I'm going to try and run through this pretty quickly. Some things we might not discuss maybe in depth, but just understand we're talking about it, which means it's important and you should know about it. And remember, you can always tweet at us. If you if you think, you know, you want to know what our thoughts are on something, go ahead and tweet at us, at Robin Roller, spelled just as it sounds, R-O-B-A-N-D-R-O-L-E-R. Uh... R-P-E-E-T-E-R-S-3-3 and at Roller underscore zero one, R-O-L-L-E-R underscore zero one. Starting off with some Formula One news. Uh, High Tech GP, a team that participates in Formula Two, Formula Three, and other lower divisions, announced that a 25% share of the team has been sold to businessman Vladimir Kim of Kazakhstan. Along with this announcement, yeah, well. Okay. Along with this announcement, the team also announced that they have submitted an application to join the 2026 F1 grid. Definitely interesting considering Andretti's still trying to get that there too. Uh, Alpine F1 team announced that a 24% equity stake had been sold to uh, Redbird Investment Fund alongside an investment group headed by actor Ryan Reynolds. So the only Formula One news going on right now is we're selling stakes and teams. There's interest there. Talk about that more later in the show. Uh, In the Formula E world, the electric car racing world, Formula E announced that Tokyo will join the 2024 Formula E calendar on Saturday, March 30th, and it will be the first ever FIA-sanctioned race in the world's largest metropolitan city. Uh, Prior to the start of this weekend's Portland E-Prix, the DS Penske drivers of Jean-Éric Verne and Stoffel Van Dorn were forced to start from the pit lane, and the team was fined 25,000 pounds, or excuse me, euros, 25,000 euros, uh, for allegedly using an RFID scanner on other cars while in the pit lane. So I I know I I said I wasn't going to talk much about this, but to explain a little bit um, about this, the alleged incident, Jean-Éric Verne defended it and said, hey, we were using this just like every other team is. Teams usually take pictures of the tires to get, like, the serial device, serial codes or whatever to know what kind of – give an idea what kind of strategy they're up, up with. You know, they just take pictures. In this case, they actually put a scanner in there. Um, it was originally said to be an infrared scanner, but then they later found out, oh, no, it's, an, it's much more, you know, advanced than that. It's an RFID scanner. Um, and Formula E penalized them swiftly, um, but 
you know, some people are wondering whether or not that twenty-five thousand euro fine and sent to the bat set, set to start pit lane uh, was a fair penalty. So a lot of people said, you know, they should have been kicked out, disqualified, you know, something worse. But you know, let us know what you think about that uh, in, in in on social media. Uh, something we'll also talk about here a little bit more in the, later in the show. Uh, the race. Uh, reports that Andretti is believed to be assisting Formula E in trying to broker a deal to race uh, with organizers at Dodger Stadium in Los Angeles with a target date of 2025. Oh my goodness. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, stay tuned later in the show. We'll get to that. Um, in sports car world, let's talk about some sports car racing in the WEC. General Motors confirmed that the Cadillac hypercar entry in the WEC uh, will continue as Chevrolet, as excuse me, as Corvette's LMGT3 program will begin in 2024. So no change there. Still going to have Cadillac hypercars in uh, the WEC, which I'm all for. Always love more hypercar participation. Always a good thing. Uh, let's talk about the American version of this, uh, the IMSA series. Uh, and definitely, I'll, I'll talk about this a little bit later in the show. Uh, it's, I don't think it's an upshift-downshift question, but but we will talk about it. Um, the number six Penske Porsche team of Matteo Giamonet and Nick Tandy crossed the line first in the sale in six hours of the Glen on Sunday, but they had their wins stripped from them after post-race tech inspection. The official reasoning was for a skid block that was less than the permitted minimum thickness. Penske released a statement in which they said the skid block was just millimeters too short and it should be negligible given Mike Meyer Shank's race penalty, Meyer Shank Racing's penalty following the Rolex 24. Uh, definitely, definitely some opinions on that one. We'll get into that later. Uh, let's go over to Japan now in the Super Formula world. Uh, this was expected unexpected I, I don't know uh, but uh, this this broke after we recorded last week's show that uh, Juliano Alesi has been released from Team Toms and will be replaced by Ukio Sasahara next month at Fuji however according to the team he will continue to race for them in Super GT I'm uh, going to try and get into this because we're not going to really talk about Super Formula so I'm going to kind of briefly explain this um Giuliano Lacey has not had a very successful run in Super Formula. I mean, he has barely scored points. I think the first his first points he scored in the in the championship was, was earlier this season. Um and he had he wrecked uh and he wrecked his teammate, I think uh in the last race and it's just a bit of a mess. And so the team basically said, "Yeah, we don't care how much funding your dad is going to give us because his dad is is Jean Lacey. Um they said that we don't care how much funding you give us, we don't want you on the team anymore. I mean, we're going to keep you for Super GT, but as far as your Super Formula days, your services are no longer needed. So, uh, just some interesting developments there. Uh, always, always interesting stuff coming out of Super Formula. If you don't watch that series, I highly recommend you guys give it a chance sometimes. It's it's very fun. It's very fun. Um, in SRX, uh, let's talk about this. SRX, we got some news there, because again, we're creeping in. We're getting there. It's just weeks away. It's coming. Thursday Night Thunder's coming back. Bass Pro Shops joins SRX Racing as the official outdoor sporting goods store and will be on the hood of Tony Stewart's SRX car. And now uh, let's go ahead and move on into IndyCar news as I swallowed my and caught my breath there for a minute. I'm not used to going through the news this quickly, guys. It's, it's new to me. 
Uh, IndyCar news. Recent speculation had put Takuma Sato's schedule with Chip Ganassi Racing and racing the remaining ovals for the number 11 entry uh, was silenced. They were, that was silenced by, those rumors were silenced by the team when it was confirmed that he will race the remaining three oval races in 2023. It will not be Marcus Armstrong, so Marcus Armstrong will not run the full season. Uh, but he is still ahead in the rookie standings, which is all you need to know. All you need to know. Driving heck of a rookie season. One heck of a rookie season. He is. He is. And honestly, in all honesty, he should be going full-time if he's not next year. Um, but this is interesting because that is a perfect segue here into our next news topic. Because Nathan Brown of the Indy Star reports that Alex Pillow has a, quote, end-of-July option for his contract with McLaren for next year. He is reportedly in consideration for Formula One drives at Alpha Tauri or Williams. Brown reports that once Pillow's future is decided, the silly season dominoes are likely to fall. So I really recommend, um, again, I don't work for IndyStar anymore. I actually just started a new job for a company that won't paywall uh, the stories. But anyway, despite that, still subscribe because Nathan's putting out some incredible stuff right now. And this this story is chock full of nuggets. I can't get to all of it uh, right now because of how, you know, how quickly I have to go through the news. But there's a lot a lot in here about silly season. I mean, Marcus Erickson is not exactly happy. Chip Ganassi really, you know, I don't know what's going to go to happen at Chip Ganassi. I don't know what's going to happen with Aaron McLaren. You know, if there was actual, like we talked about last week, considerable uh, concern now for Jack Harvey. I guess he is legitimately on the hot seat. Um, there are, uh, so... A lot of things are moving, and it's all going to get set off whenever Polo makes his decision for next year. Like, whether him and Ganassi work something out, whether he gets an F1 ride, or as soon as it's announced, yeah, he's going to McLaren, the dominoes are going to start falling. So look for more silly season as August rolls around here in the next month for IndyCar news. Uh, all right, let's move into now some NASCAR news, because we're, we're getting there. We're getting there, guys. We're in the NASCAR news. I, I'm doing pretty good at this. Uh, NASCAR will conduct a short track package on July 17th at the New Hampshire Motor Speedway one day after the scheduled cup race. Hopefully we'll see some more improvements in the short track package of the cup cars. Uh, Trackhouse co-owner Justin Marks will drive the colleague racing number 10 entry in the Xfinity Series race at this weekend's Chicago Street Course with sponsorship from Jockey. This had me uh, up around like, heck yeah, man. I love it. Love it. You know what? This guy's got to win in the Xfinity Series before, so it's not impossible. Not only is he a co-owner of a team with Pitbull that, what, is Chastain? He's, he's close to the championship lead now, isn't he? Uh, I'll look that up while you talk. Look that up. Look that up because I'm curious. So basically, he's on top of, top of the world right now, and now he's going to go run an Xfinity car around the streets of Chicago. Uh, we got some more. Hey, we talked about earlier in Formula One news how a lot of people were, um, you know, selling some stakes in their teams. Well, it's happening in NASCAR, too. Joe Gibbs has sold a minority stake in Joe Gibbs Racing to HSBC, or Harris Belt Blitzer Sports Entertainment. Uh, in exchange, Gibbs will become a minority owner in the NHL's New Jersey Devils and in the NBA's Philadelphia 76ers. Interesting. I guess if Joe Gibbs wanted to do this, I kind of am curious why he wasn't in consideration for a bid on the Washington football team. Josh, who is who is leading the championship? 
the, the, the championship in the Cup Series is Martin Truex Jr. by 18 points over both William Byron and Ross Chastain. Okay, well, Ross the Boss is P3 in the championship, which is not bad in my books, especially in modern NASCAR where who cares where you are in the regular season? All that matters is that, that you're in the top 16 and have enough playoff points to advance past the first round. It's true. It's true. Anyway, uh, let's move on here into the next piece of NASCAR news. Uh, that is, again, pretty big. Adam Stern, right after Ross Chastain won that race on Sunday, uh, Adam Stern has seemingly indicated that the Bush Beer to Trackhouse deal is is done. It's a done deal. Uh, he made a quick note that they were returning to advertising after their... I don't know why people were getting all upset about them for this, but whatever. Uh, that's not that's not point. I... You know, everybody's butthurt about something. But anyway, um, so they're coming back to, to advertising or whatever. And so I assume that we will get a announcement that now that we know, you know, who's going to run the four next year, we'll probably get that announcement here pretty soon. Um, so we'll go on to uh, something here more uh, on this later in the show as well. And this is another Stern bomb. We've got just – we've got a bunch of Stern bombs here coming up. So uh, – Stern tweeted over the weekend that Andretti Autosport is seriously considering entering NASCAR in the coming years, regardless of the outcome of the team's F1 bid. Now, ideally, now Stern said that originally Andretti planned to enter NASCAR after F1, but now he's saying doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Whatever comes first, whatever is in motion will happen. Yeah. But it probably it won't probably won't still be for another couple of years. Um, and then we got a late night Stern bomb. It's Monday night that we're recording this and Stern dropped one right on me right after I finished proofing this copy of the show, Josh, um, that, uh, NASCAR has slowed its interest in selling the entire Xfinity series broadcasting rights to a streaming service and instead will likely have a single company. Uh, that will instead have a mixture of broadcast and streaming. So my first thought about this is probably they give it all to NBC since Fox has the entire truck series. They give the Xfinity series all to NBC, and then NBC can flex it from NBC to USA to Peacock as needed. Yeah. I mean, the only other option to that is ESPN. Yeah, basically, and it doesn't look like there's there was nothing in that story about ESPN. So, I mean, in terms of NASCAR. Very sad. Yeah. The story had stuff about ESPN, but it was like in internal stuff and like new VPs and stuff like that. No, who cares? Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, let's go into this. Uh, we'll talk about this more on the later in the show. I alluded to it. We talked about it last year, last week, excuse me. Um, it is official. Josh Berry is going to drive the number four for Stuart Haas Racing next year to replace the retiring Kevin Harvick. And then finally, the last the last piece of news on the show, Josh, I nailed it. We nailed it. How long did I get through this? 15 minutes. Hot blobby. I think this is, I mean, okay, I'll, I'll let you finish. Go. I'll let you let finish. me finish. Let me finish. Because uh, we will talk about this more on the later on the show. So if I could just get through this, it'll be a record. Uh, an, ex an inspection of Nashville's fairground speedway, according to an independent assessment, outlined that the speedway is in need of major repairs and has been, quote, neglected. Repairs and standards upgrades are estimated at $40 million. Josh, this is incredible. We finished the news, and we've gotten everything out of the way. 
that we were going to talk about, I could finally take my breath, and I could turn the reins over to you for the feature paint scheme. <laughs> I was just about to say, you started, you took about 14 minutes to get through there and 19 points. That might be a record for this show. If I had a sound effects board, I would have the and hand clap and confetti blasting out for you because that was impressive, folks. The outstanding performance of the week goes to Rob Peters getting through the uh, news, the racing report here in record time with the amount of points that we had. Great job, Rob. Fantastic. All right, feature paint scheme time. Um, darn it, the guy had a great weekend. Standout AJ Allmendinger paint scheme because why not? Because this is this this is our show. We can do whatever the heck we want. And uh, AJ Allmendinger, oh my gosh, you know this was I loved him in Victory Lane or on the front stretch there and in Victory Lane too post post race. This is why I wish AJ was still in the Xfinity Series full time. You know that excitement that 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 energy that he that he gives off is why we're doing our standout AJ Allman Dinger paint scheme. Any series. It can be any series that he's ever driven in. Rob, what's yours? You know what? I looked at this, and, and here's the funny part about this, is I looked through Jayski, and I was looking through all of the stuff that Allman Dinger has driven on all throughout his careers. And, and then it hit me, and I was like, oh, yeah, he ran Champ Car. And those cars were beautiful. <laughs> so, you know... What better one to uh, do a throwback to and a shout-out to than not only saying, hey, here's to A.J. Allmendinger uh, on winning the cup race, but let's not forget, for those of you who might be too young to remember what Champ Car is or how A.J. Allmendinger burst onto the American racing scene, um, basically he raced for uh, Roo Sport for a couple of years, for his first two years in Champ Car in 2004-2005. And uh, by 2006, the team was basically like, dude, AJ, you're too good. You're too good for us. Like, you should go somewhere else. And um, at the time, uh, the Forsyth Intec team was having, you know, some driver issues here and there. And so they picked up Almondinger. And uh, Almondinger quite literally went on the most insane tear I think I've ever seen in racing history and even as a child I remember hearing while like watching wind tunnel and watching speed news and and even though like I didn't maybe watch champ car because again I was I watched the IRL okay that's what my dad watched I didn't watch champ car I watched the IRL and so I didn't so what I knew about champ car was Sebastian Bourdais and Paul Tracy like that was my the extent of my knowledge of champ car but when AJ Allmendinger burst on the scene, it was like, oh my gosh, I know who this guy is now. And they kept talking about how great and great he was. And he drove this Forsyth, Forsyth Index car. It's just beautiful. It's, it's, it's a car I miss. It's a car I miss. And I think the thing that I love about the fact that AJ got to drive this car was that uh, AJ has always talked about how much he looked up to like Greg Moore, um, how, how much of an influence Greg Moore was. Like He wears red gloves for, Re- for Greg, Moore, Re- Greg Moore, just like he did. Just, just like Greg Moore did, and um, the fact that Greg Moore drove the same exact car that Almendinger did—it's just—I just love that. I always will love that fact. I will always think that that's probably one of the coolest facts, right? Um, but then again, if let's talk about not just how cool this this blue and and white and you know 
car is that's, you know, definitely still modeled after players' cigarettes. You know, it doesn't say players on there, but it's still players' fourth hype. <laughs> um, you know, but but let's talk about, if, for those of you who don't know, this is how Allmendinger's 2006 went. So he started the race, first couple of races with Rue Sport, then he moved over to Forsyth um, to pilot the number seven, Indec Lola, and he immediately won three straight races with his, he, he won Portland, Cleveland, from pole, Toronto, he then finished third in Edmonton, then won at Denver, crashed in Montreal, won again at Road America, then finally crashed at Surfers Paradise with his worst non-DNF finish being seventh place at San Jose. Uh, he then left the team before the end of the season to join the new Red Bull Racing NASCAR team, and Buddy Rice made one of his few champ car starts, replacing A.J. Allmendinger at Mexico City for the 2006 finale. How about that? Did any of you know that? How many people knew that? Let me know on Twitter. I did not know Peters33. Let me know. Josh, all yours. Well, I, for me, you know, he's got a lot. You know, most common schemes of his that come to my mind are, are indeed NASCAR schemes. And, you know, the Red Bull scheme, I'm sorry, it is iconic. I mean, the, the, the Red Bull schemes in NASCAR were A1. You, you can't dispute that. Um, his Nutrient Act Solution cars, more modern car, are definitely great as well. Um, well, one that always comes to my mind is his 2009 Daytona 500 entry with Richard Petty Motorsports. It was the number 44 Valvoline Dodge. And it was throwback-esque. Uh, that was just beautiful. And I remember... I cannot, I think, I, this is, okay, this is how old Rob and I are, right? Did you know that they used to run the duels at Daytona during the day? Yes, they did. Like normal human beings. They ran the duels during the day, and uh, I remember watching this race. And I'm like, I want a, AJ, the, the broadcasters brought up AJ had missed both Daytona 500s with Red Bull. He failed to make the Daytona 500 with Red Bull in both his attempts. So his rookie season and his sophomore season. He was racing his way in. I'm like, AJ, I need... I immediately gravitated towards AJ that day. I'm like, I need AJ to make the 500. He's a cool guy. I always loved his personality then. And, you know, when he made that race, I was like, I don't care what happens to anybody else. He made the Daytona 500. And one and A, a cool looking car, and a guy who deserved a shot to show what he could get done. And he had a pretty, I think he had a pretty good Daytona 500 too. I failed to look that up, but then he had a pretty solid 500. And he had a great, great, great season, great couple of seasons with with Richard Petty Motorsports that eventually propelled him to the team Penske. And uh, you know, and I think it all started here that day when he was driving that Valvoline esque. It was white, that that kind of petty powder blue. It wasn't quite petty blue, but you could easily mistake it for that, but more of a powder blue. Uh, again, just throwback-esque. Throwback-looking. I don't believe... I don't... Don't don't quote... Don't straight-up quote me on this. Um, you can certainly quote me and say that I said it, but don't straight-up quote me and say, I don't think this was actually a throwback to any particular Valvoline scheme, but it was just throwback-looking, and I just love that. And uh, again... 
just the energy, the energy he 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 let off that day has not wavered, even as he's just won another another race on Saturday. Just fantastic. So uh, that was the feature paint scheme this week. A standout AJ Allmendinger. Anytime we get to talk about AJ Allmendinger on this show, you're you 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 better bet that we're gonna do it. Or at least I'm going to mention it. I'm going to have to bring the opportunity to bring it up. So uh, with that, let's let's go ahead and transition into the upshift downshift segment. We'll we'll uh, shift gears here and in, into our third segment of the day, the third gear of the day, if you will. Um, upshift downshift. You agree. You upshift. You, you disagree. You downshift. You can throw it in a neutral for any number of reasons. Sometimes it's a mix of both. Sometimes we, we we've gotten in the habit we just kind of upshift and downshift. We say we say what we want instead of throwing it into neutral like a normal human being. Well, we do both. Uh, but uh, yeah, we've got a we've got a pretty good stack of questions here. So let's go ahead and hop right into it. Uh, I'm sure Rob's going to have a lot to say on this one. Formula E's new home in America is now Portland International Raceway. Rob, do you upshift or downshift? Well, I think I'm going to have to upshift this one. Um, I know, even you know, we talked about them wanting to do some race in Dodger Stadium, and I mean that's all, whatever. I, I look, I think we've proven today, or excuse me, this weekend that Formula E can race on certain permanent circuits, and in a lot of cases, it's not a bad thing to do that, um, especially every now and again, or have it be, you know. Like a special event, you know, like it's it's not a bad thing. Like it's a, everybody likes when Formula E goes to Monaco. I mean, that, that always is a good race. Yeah. Even but but that's a street course, but it's also like it's it's a course that's used by other racing series. Right. So it's it's a historic. It has historical significance, and I think that can play well into Formula E's favor because I think them running at Monaco. In my opinion, maybe some people might not agree with this, but in my opinion, I always felt like that kind of legitimized them as a racing series. You know, when That's it was fair. first announced and they said, okay, hey, we're going to go race at Monaco. It was like, okay, well, they're not just going to let just anyone race at Monaco, right? I mean, that doesn't typically happen. But so for them to say, yeah, we'll let you, this, this, this racing series run Monaco. And eventually, you know, at first it was this, the modified circuit and now they're running the full circuit. I don't see there's any difference why Portland has to be any different. You know, I understand Portland's a permanent road course. Monaco's a street circuit. But Portland is such a, has proved that it's such a great track for this, for this racing series. And even then, you know, you don't have to make, a, you know, track changes like they, they had to at other things. I mean, it also showcases just how advanced this Gen 3 car was. Um, I don't want to get in too much because I know we have another upshift downshift question about this. But really, what I before I like fully upshift this, this is one of those things where it's like I'm gonna put it into first, maybe second, but I'm not ready to go all the way into third and fourth yet. Um, mainly because I just I want to see what the overall attendance level was. You know, gets kind of get an idea of that see kind of see what the tv ratings are i mean it's monday night we don't know what the tv ratings are obviously tv ratings are going to be terrible in comparison but what's really going to be interesting then to look at would be maybe some of that data from like dvr or like what the reruns you know did were there you know did the average viewership for formula e reruns did that go up 
You know, did yeah. you see a spike in that? You know, that's kind of what I'm, I, I want to see kind of con- confer- confirmation of. Like, I, I don't know if I ever will see it, but I think that would kind of give me a more solid base to say, yes, fully, this is something that needs to happen. They found a good home. But more so to that, my final point on this is in general – I think that whole Pacific Northwest is very forward thinking when it comes to renewable energy, clean energy, you know, things like that. I think Formula E can be appealing to people who normally probably would not watch motor racing or auto racing. You know, I think you can you have the opportunity especially in that region that is underserved by racing in general to tell these people that you know, again, are very environmentally conscious. Hey, we have an exciting racing series that puts on wild races, and it's entirely sustainable and has is net zero basically, or m- almost close close to it. Josh, I know you can argue with the sustainability of it, and I fully understand your points to that. You know, <laughs> I what I again, I still think you're to your point. If we could ever get to a point where, you know, we're charging the entire field with solar panels, then we finally hit potential actual sustainability. But, you know, until then, there's still some issues with it. But I still see it as a positive for that demographic. Does that make sense? Yes. It's it's something that very well could appeal to them. And so if this is something that comes back okay, hey, there's more ways to promote it because you could say, hey, come out and see literally the best race ever that you'll probably not see anywhere else. I'll talk about just how crazy this was later in the show, but for that point, I'll leave it at that. Boy, Rob, I want to upshift this, but I got a downshift. Um, boy, have you so many times, I think, in, in history, um, you just wanted to pick up a track and take it somewhere else. Um... Portland is a trash city. It is horrible. It's so sad that the state of that city is where it's at. Um, and to have such a great race. I wa- I wasn't able to watch. You sent me this somewhere I could stream it. I wasn't able to work it on my phone. Didn't have CBS Sports Network. I really wanted to watch this race because I was seeing the social media reaction. And you were texting me. I'm like, this is great racing. This is great. But gosh, don't go two city blocks anywhere in any direction. You know, it's just, dang it. Um, no, I I don't want a world stage series to say our home is in Portland, Oregon. And I apologize to that area and the people who aren't the problem. Um, but my goodness, I don't even I can't I can't think of another track like Portland. That can produce what we'll talk about this in a bit. What it produced from a racing standpoint for Formula E, and so for those reasons, I know it's an underserved part. I think it's a great. I think I look. I thought the numbers look are they from the eyeball test? It looked good uh, from a fan standpoint. Uh, obviously, the TV numbers will tell a little bit more, and especially since it was. Obviously, in America, so the American audiences were able to watch it at a decent time. Um, but I got a downshift. If seven thirty is a de- in the afternoon is a decent time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, but 
but like it was live and it wasn't if it, you basically watched the Xfinity race essentially yeah. start yeah. time you know so it, but it wasn't like oh we're gonna run an, we're gonna run an uh, rerun at ten o'clock at night or it's gonna be live on CBS uh, Sports Network at four o'clock in the morning you know right that that doesn't that doesn't work well uh, but you know but no I got I got a downshift I just wish a this track was somewhere else or B Portland wasn't such a third world country it is um so yeah I, I that's kind of disappointing that it put i would low-key this is sad i want to be like please put on a bad race so they don't come back and they oh, find come on but but it put on such a great come race on. i just like oh dang it it was it was great we'll talk more about that in a second i um I, yeah We'll go to the next one here. Riley Herbst will finish the 2024 season with a victory in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. Do you have to downshift? You know what? Why not? I think the Xfinity Series is still wide open right now. I mean, there's really nobody in the series right now that I think hands down in a way like the best driver. I think it's still open. I don't think it's... I, I think it's... I mean, it's it's crazy to say that it's too soon when we're, you know, only a couple of months away from the playoffs, right? Yeah. But yeah. I still honestly do think it is a little bit too early to count some of these people out. And Herbst is one of them. Um, he's had some really solid runs. Uh, and I think it, it's just been wrong place, wrong time, rotten luck, getting run into by somebody else. It's not literally like he's himself is running poorly. Like, I don't think it's him. I don't think it's him, him at all. I think he's... I mean, and it's not like Custer is setting the world on fire either. SHR as a whole clearly is struggling. Like, yeah, their Xfinity program is better, but you would think with Cole Custer going down there and winning last year with, uh, what was it, SS Greenlight Racing... Yeah, Bobby Dyer, yeah. Like, you would kind of think that the guy who has the Xfinity series figured out would elevate the team. And it's like, yeah, I think he is. I think Riley's running better. I think he's running better, but they're still struggling. You know, they're still like both, both him and Herbs could probably be running one, two every right weekend. If SHR wasn't ha hands down the worst, the worst major four car team in this, in cup series right now. So, Ultimately, to me, I, I think, yeah, her, wh and why not? You know, you, you've still got Daytona, and you've still got another Atlanta race, so those are always wild cards. And then, of course, Herbst can always win one on merit because he's run second, he's run third, he's run fourth, like, at other tracks. Like, I mean, I know I say, like, Atlanta and, uh, and Daytona, and the only reason I say those is because literally anybody can win those. So those are, yeah. like, always, like, you have a good chance of winning those races, Whereas you might not have a good chance of winning anywhere else. Like you might finish yeah. second, third, you might have a better chance to finish second or third, but like at Daytona, those places, you have a high, high chance of actually winning the dang thing just by being in the right place at the right time. Yeah. Doesn't matter how good your car is, doesn't matter how bad your luck has been, as long as you're in the right place at the right time, you have a chance to win that thing. So ultimately, yeah, I'm gonna upshift this. Why not? I would I would see uh, I, I can see Herbst, Herbst winning. You kind of took the words right out of my mouth. I, I, I think it is wide open. I think early on in the season, you were kind of, we were maybe pointing at 
um, John Hunter Nemechek as kind of like, this guy might run away with it. Uh, or Chandler Smith. Both those guys are running well. Everyone's cooled off. Now, Riley Herbst got off to a really good start and has cooled off, but has had a couple uh, good runs here, I think, as of late. I know that yesterday was definitely a step forward. If Almendinger just didn't get just a blast of a restart, I think he might have been able to challenge him on the outside there. Um, but, yeah, Riley Herbst, I think he gets a win. I agree. It's wide open. Yes, you've had a, you've had a, a, that wild card winner in Jeb Burton. That's, But he's only 13th in points. Remember, he's actually, like, when you look at the reset, He's 13th in points. So Jeff Burton's already on, already kind of on that, that bubble anyways. Um, but, right, but yeah, I, I'm going to upshift. I think 2024 is the year Riley gets it done and wins an Xfinity Series race, finally. Um, you mean 23, right? Uh, 23, yes, 23. Sorry, I just yes. want to make sure you, you mean 23, yes, 23 and that we're not I, talking I, about I, next I, year. That out. Yes, that is my bad. That is a, that is a major... Goof on my end. Yes, the 23 season. Yes. Well, I was going to say, you were agreeing with me when I said that the season was still too early yeah. to decide. And I was, it was too early. I think, it's, I, I think this season, I think this is what makes the Xfinity Series so exciting. Is like, just when you think you have it figured out, you don't. And I, I, and I will say this too. I, even if he doesn't, even if he makes the playoffs without getting a win, I do think he will, he will win Sometime before the season is up, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. I think he kind of gets it done. I agree to you that, like, yes, SH, SHR is struggling. Cole Custer is maybe not producing what many people thought he would do as he going down there after having such a successful uh, final two full time seasons or his most recent two full time seasons in the Xfinity Series. But he's also not been running horrible. It's just he's floating in around that fifth place. <laughs> all the time and there's other people that are running better um but uh, yeah the, he's got the win up he won at portland um so yeah i think it's uh it's gonna be a it's gonna be interesting to watch this xfinity series the rest of the year all right jim france said he would love to see a european manufacturer join nascar do you upshift or downshift is interesting but i i i uh, my initial reaction is yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna have to upshift that i mean i don't see why not um I just don't. I don't know what, it, what, what, which one it would be. Uh, you know, I, I have a couple of theories. Um, obviously, you know, I think of the German cars. You know, I think about, uh, uh, you know, yeah, basically the German cars. I don't really see Aston Martin doing it. No. Uh, uh, you know, I, I. What do you got? Okay, Audi, BMW, uh. You've got then Volkswagen, Porsche, Volkswagen. No, well, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think know. they what do. Make a, I think they. Yeah, the Jetta. You know, okay, okay. Here we go. Here we go. We'll go ahead. What we got to do? We got to go. Uh, is Volvo European? Yes. It is. Yeah. Then we got to do that because Volvo was in supercars. We got to get the Volvo. We can do Volvo and NASCAR. There, I'll take that. If not, if because uh, I think. I, I I don't know how many people agree with me, but the supercars Nissan Altima was beautiful. And I know it, you said European, but my pick is always going to be for a Nissan Altima to be in Cup, personally. Just Fair enough. Look at the supercars Altima and tell me it's not a beautiful race car. You want me to look at it now? 
whenever you have the chance, I want you to look at it, and then I want you to, with a straight face, tell me it is not. It is a. It is not a good race car. I'm looking at it right now, or I'm trying to. That is a good looking race car. See, you're right. That is good. That is a that is a slick machine. And even when you compare it to, I got a picture here that compares it to the actual street model. This that, that is a good looking car. Right. Yeah. yeah. It never won on Sunday and sold on Monday, but eh, <laughs> it looked good. Looked good doing it. So. You know what? Yeah, why not? Uh, I I'd like to see it. It's just you know at this point I just like to see any fourth OEM. Don't don't really care what it is. At this point, it just anyone is fine as whatever gets us out of this thirty six car nonsense and gets us back to forty three cars again. I'm cool with. Um, I'm I'm going to upshift, but I don't see them joining Cup. Um. I think if I'm a big wig at NASCAR, I know I've, I I I enjoy Formula I enjoy Formula E and in its presence. I think NASCAR has an electric car future. I don't think it's Cup. I think it's something like the Xfinity Series having a conversion. I if I'm NASCAR, here's what I'm doing. Here's what I'm doing. I'm going to create and invest in a single battery or, or a battery platform that. You basically say, "Here's the here's the powertrain. Develop your body shell around it. You just got to meet these downforce and aero numbers. I don't care what you drive, as long as you meet these numbers. So you can, in theory, have you know ten manufacturers out there, but they're meeting the aero numbers because they don't have to develop the powertrain. It's been developed for them. So you know, if Chevy wants to walk in here, like, yeah, we got a couple teams, Cadillac, sure, why not?" Then you get those European manufacturers over there too. I don't see you're a European manufacturer joining Cup. I think it's going to be another Asian manufacturer or another American manufacturer, and more than likely, given the state of whatever we're calling the Dodge parent company now, it's more than likely going to be a Asian manufacturer. I think the only reason a a, a European manufacturer joins is if there is a electric series. In NASCAR, and uh, but again, that's great. I'm for it. I just don't see them joining Cup. I upshift. I ultimately upshift this question. I just don't see it happening in Cup. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I I buy that. Okay, okay. All right. Now, next one here. Michael Andretti should make an offer to Rick Ware for his team charters and assets that he can't refuse. Rob, how do you shift? Um. I this one's weird because honestly I don't I don't think this is a good business move for either of them but I do think that if the two of them wanted to work together I think it would be better to enter in a strategic partnership. So like right now basically Andretti's having having issues. They they need funding. Rick Ware can bring some funding with Biohaven, right? Um in my opinion I say they work together. Um Andretti can you know, Andretti can take over, you know, or work in partnership with the Cup operation. And while, meanwhile, Rick Ware Racing moves its partnership with Dale Coyne to Andretti. So, like, instead of operating a Dale Coyne car, they are now operating an Andretti car. Mm-hmm. You know, they have the technical relationship with Andretti. So, like, let's say that they start working on the number 29 car. You know, there we go. You know, they take over the 29 
probably renumber it 51 yeah. and go from there. Um, I think that would be beneficial. Do I think that is happening? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I don't think that is going to happen. I will be very surprised if it does happen. But in that hypothetical scenario, I think that would be the better mo business move for both of them. So ultimately, I guess I would, I would downshift that overall because I, I, I think Michael Andretti buying all of Rick Ware racing is, number one, something I don't think Rick Ware wants to do. Um, and number two, I don't think it would bene benefit either party as well as maybe it might sound on paper. I think you broke the darn game, Rob. Um, I can't argue with that. I didn't think of a partnership. I mean, ultimately, I, I, I think... Yeah, I think that would work better than, than Michael just coming in and buying. It would work... It would be successful at a quicker rate. I definitely agree with that. Um, for Michael Andretti. Um... But uh, yeah, I, I I'm 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 just gonna copy and paste your answer and 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 uh, just. I mean, if you think about it, if you think about it, what they could do, like Andretti is already struggling to like run as many cars as they do, right? Yeah. If if you are able to basically chop off one and say, hey, we don't have to provide any staffing or like pit crew or any rick ware will take care of all this he'll he'll do the payroll for that team you know we don't have to worry about it you know they'll develop the car they'll work on the setups they'll be they'll then their sets of engineers like it'll all be them then and we just give them the rolling chassis and the data you know mm -hmm. what i mean like then mm -hmm. that saves andretti money because then they're not they could still have a fourth team sell it to sponsors like with rick ware but at the same time they don't have to be fully operating that fifth car you yeah. know they can they can scale it back and for you know reallocate some resources and maybe it would end up you know in them performing better maybe Colton Herta would be quicker. <laughs> yeah, I yeah I I agree I agree. Um, all right, let's move on to this next one here, a little similar to a couple ones ago. Brandon Jones misses the 2023 Xfinity Series playoffs, and Parker Kligerman makes the playoffs. Do you upshift or downshift? I am going to downshift this because I think Brandon Jones is always good for a sneak out win or even a win where it's in, he he just straight up deserves it. Like Brandon Jones is like a weird enigma. I love the guy. I love when he does well and I but let's let's be honest. I mean, he's like a slightly better Ryan Reed. Okay? Like Damn. I love him. I love him. Okay? But them's effects. But when I say it's slightly better, I mean, this guy can actually win on tracks that aren't plate tracks. So he's got that going in his favor. He's never won on a plate track, I don't think. He doesn't need to because he's proven that he doesn't need to win on those. He yeah. can win a race on merit. And to be honest with you, he should have won Martinsville last year, and I'm still pissed oh, about that. Yes. yes. He should have yeah. won Martinsville last year. If he had a, you know, a teammate that actually gave a crap about him, he would have won Martinsville last year. On merit, mind you. Um, so again, that's not a that's not a, a diss, okay? That's not a diss. I mean, I would, I, I just said nice things about Riley Herbst and said he could win. And honestly, I would compare Riley Herbst to Ryan Reed as well. So okay. I'm not being mean to these guys, and I'm not being mean to Ryan Reed either. I like Ryan Reed too. 
but in terms of him being an Xfinity guy, he was someone who didn't really light the world on fire. Yeah, he can't, he had a, a a win here and there, but Ryan Reed literally never had a top ten out, out outside of those. Like he he never had a top ten. Herbst and Jones top ten, top five machines, but they just can't get those wins. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's it's kind of frustrating because you expect them to be winning. Now yeah. on on the other hand with so with Brandon Jones, I just think he's just dealing with growing pains. I mean, he's going every time Brandon Jones goes to a new team, he struggles with first. And then he pops off. You know, so he's going through those growing pains. He's getting his team is learning how he works. He's learning how his team works. It's it's gonna take some time. It still is taking time. I think it's still taking time for Brad Keselowski personally. That's my opinion. So it can happen to a veteran. It can happen to someone like Brandon Jones. Um, he shouldn't get down on it. But I also think that he can win a race. And this is not a slight to Parker Kligerman as well. But you're you're asking, you're, you're telling me that Parker Kligerman, I mean, maybe Parker Kligerman can, could could win. I mean, almost won. Could have, should have, would have won in Atlanta, right? Got totally dumped by Hemrick. But yeah. despite that, I mean, he's been as good, if not on a little worse than Brandon Jones this season. I mean, they've been kind of equal. I mean, Brandon's probably had a couple of worse runs based on luck, but kind of equal. Um, I just think at the end of the day, Brandon Jones got the better equipment. Um, he's been in a car full-time longer. Uh, and... I, I think Brandon is is probably more likely to make the playoffs, at the very least on points. You know, if we're coming down on like pointing their way in, then yeah, I'm gonna give it to Brandon Jones. If we're talking about a win, yeah, I can see Kligerman getting a dub at say Atlanta or at um, at the Indy Road Course, or you know maybe even um, the uh, at Daytona. But outside of those races, I, I think it's going to be tough for him to win, and I just think that Brandon Jones will outpoint him. Josh, I, you're looking at me, people who can't see Josh's reactions to what I say. He, he kind of looks at me like, what is he saying? What is he talking about sometimes? So I'm curious to see how he's going to rebuke me here. Well, we clearly are on the opposite sides on this one. I, I, the eyeball test to me is Parker's better this year. I know he Brandon Jones with a new team. Junior Motorsports is struggling overall. I mean, look, they got one win, one win. This organization has uh, the regulations for this for the series and the new rules. I think hurt Junior Motorsports. It really put them at a disadvantage. It said, okay, we got to relearn these cars. Um, they've had good runs, but can you really tell me that Junior Motorsports has had? Like, outstanding performances. Even Josh Berry has struggled very, very much uh, to, to try to even break it into the top five. Um, I think Parker Kligerman has had the eyeball test tells me that Parker's better this year. Is he in better equipment? I would say no. But he's got that RCR alliance, and Austin Hill's running better. Sheldon Creed is running better. Sheldon Creed is just a magnet for crashes. I don't know how else to put it. The dude is the bingo card. He, he is the bingo card for a 
uh, spin a race. I, 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 I mean, I don't mean to pick. That's not that sounds insulting. It probably is insulting, but it's kind of the truth. How many times there should be a Twitter account? Did Sheldon Creed spin spin today? But I think Parker Kligerman is better. I think he. I think if you put him in the right situation late in a race in the Xfinity Series, where he's close to the front, even on a oval, non super speedway, I think he can get it done. I don't see that from Brandon Jones. I think Brandon Jones has been consistently the worst junior motorsports car out there. Again, yes, you got the growing pains, but junior motorsports as a whole, again, as I said, is, is struggling. So, honestly, the way he's running and the way Sam Mayer has run a little bit, I'd be concerned that Sam Mayer and Brandon Jones don't make the playoffs. I would. I believe Sam Mayer over Brandon. Maybe I'm giving Brandon too much credit, but it's just been it's the eyeball test, man. It's just all, all eyeball test to me. I just think Kligerman's been running. Yes, obviously Kligerman's going to have naturally better races, I think, than Brandon at the road courses because Kligerman has a great road course background and he does great there. Um, and he does, and he has a really great super speedway mind, which is again fantastic. Kind of like AJ Allmendinger in that way. Um, but. No, I'm not comparing Parker with AJ. I'm just saying that they have similarities. But I think, uh, to me, I upshift. Brandon Jones misses the playoffs this year, and Parker makes them. I truly believe that. So, and if I could bet on that, I would. I would. All right, next one here. NASCAR should have ruled that Tyler Reddick lost his tire on the racetrack and not pit road. Do you upshift or downshift? Uh, hold on. I need... This is... I was kind of hoping you'd take your sweet time. I need to refresh my memory with this real quick because I right. remember him winning, losing a tire, but I don't remember how he lost it. Well, he's coming off. He I, he had just pitted. He was coming off the the corner, uh, the turn four, trying to pit, and then spun out because they on the, even the replay. Which, by the way, let's just shout out to NBC. Great replays, great coverage this weekend. Fantastic, showing everyone how it's done. Um, but like their replay even showed like where the nut came off the tire as he was losing control and spun and yeah. So okay, wow. finally, finally, I found it now. All right, I'm looking at it on my phone. Okay, so all right. Um, no, no, it came off on pit road. I mean, I'm looking at it now. I'm I'm watching the just the replay. I mean the tire is loose, but it doesn't come off until he's on pit road. So I mean what why why would you rule that he lost it on the racetrack? I mean it was loose on the racetrack, yeah. But I mean, if you've got a loose wheel and you come in and it falls off on pit road, like right before you're about to get into your pit box I mean, do they they don't rule it that it came out on off on the tra race racetrack, then do they? I mean, just because he spun onto the pit road. I mean, the fact of the matter is the tire came off on pit road. So again, I'm just looking at this and baseline, like after refreshing my memory. Yeah, I, I I don't I don't I don't, I don't think so. I think NASCAR got lucky on this one. Um. Because if he actually loses in the grass, that to me is the racetrack, not pit road. 
but he lost it on pit road pavement. I think they got lucky. I think they got the call right. But the sadistic part of me wishes that he'd lost it in the grass. Like right next to pit road. Just to see what would have what the call would have been. I personally see this rule. He was he was I, I I know it's a perfect world rule, but I kind of thought, like, I think he should be penalized for that. I think he should have been. But he lost it on pit road. The, the wordage of the rule is pit road. So I think they got the call right myself. So I, I downshift this. But the sadistic part of me wants to see, wants to see the, the alternate universe where he lost it 30 feet closer to the start-finish line, you know, um, to see what they would have ruled. Um, he just got, he luckily spun and spun in the right directions. So I think the NASCAR got the call right, but to me, I still think it was borderline. I, I think they almost could have called it either way, but I see why they didn't, and I respect that. Uh, the inaugural Portland E-Prix showcased, that true inter- the tr- showcased the true entertainment potential of Formula E, particularly on permanent road courses. Do you upshift or downshift, Rob? Oh, this is an easy upshift for me. I mean, that race was spectacular. That race was absolutely spectacular. And I think the thing that I liked the most about it was it was, it was relatively pretty clean. I mean, yeah, okay, it had two safety cars, but it's not like we wadded up and wrecked a whole bunch of cars but they were running two three four wide sometimes even five wide they were in the grass they were all over the place i mean they were drafting they were they were saving energy i mean it was great it was it was great racing i i equated it to indianapolis and talladega having a gen z baby uh that's that's pretty much what it was uh it yet could not have been more entertaining from that standpoint yeah. Um, and I, I look Formula E races, especially uh, ones with, with with really long straightaways, especially with this new Gen Three car, have really become big time pack races. Um, and a lot of people seem to criticize that, and I don't. I I get it, and I don't get it. Like especially on a road course like Portland, where it's like, okay, if someone rolls over, they're probably not going to get like that hurt. Like there's something. They have to hit a very specific place, a very specific, you know, if it's, obviously it's always possible, but it's less like, right, than, than you know, on an oval or something. So I, I look at this, I just think this is straight up fantastic racing. Uh, secondly, secondly, um, they, Formula E really, really needs to tap into the fact that these cars are getting so much faster. Um, all I was hearing over the over the weekend was just, how the Formula E cars were being compared to the speed of Indy cars. And I'm just sitting here like, how, how are you not promoting that more? I mean, IndyCar is the fastest series on, on the planet. And if you're sitting here telling me that your electric racing cars can sit lap times within the vicinity of an Indy car, holy cow! You should be going to these permanent road courses all the time! Because now you've just demonstrated to people that you could go fast in an electric car. And a lot of people don't believe that. So if you really, you know, for all of these 
manufacturers that are involved in Formula E because they want to promote their electric car services. Heck, this is this is great promotion. This is great, and not just for the series, but for everybody. I mean, in, in general, this whole weekend was a success. It was a knockout, bang-out success. Now, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing, though. A lot of these tracks that Formula E can't go, because keep in mind where we where they are as 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 a as a series right now is they still don't have the technology. The technology is not there for these guys to recharge these cars. Like you don't want them to be switching cars again. But we've managed for them to run, you know, a an hour long race on one charge of battery. And I think that's that's a really good place where we're at right now. Where that comes into play, though, is then I think you need to be going to smaller, shorter road courses. Now, again, again, there are certain places that we've talked, like, it's great. But it's one of those things where I feel like Formula E can do, it's like I talked about earlier with the Monaco thing. I feel like Portland and Monaco should be those kind of, like, those unique races to Formula E. You know, like, yes, I think that I would love to see them go to maybe another track. Off the top of my head, I'd like to see them go to Brands Hatch. Oof. I think I think that'd be great. Ooh, right? that'd be but at the same time, I recognize that the London E-Prix has a very strong appeal, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and that's very popular in and of itself, and I wouldn't want to lose that. So I think right now, if Formula E commits to Portland like this and says, okay, we're going to run on a permanent road course, or if if they don't commit to Portland, they should at the very least be trying to run on at least one permanent road course per season. You know, I think that's very important now to kind of show that, yes, we are, they're able to go to all these different you know, cities that normally wouldn't be able to host motor racing, but they can also appeal to the traditional fan, the traditional motorsport fan that likes to go out to the racetrack, that likes to experience, you know, going into the, you know, experience the garage areas and experience the walk around of of what a racetrack is and not a city street. Um, I think they have a unique opportunity to kind of just really cash in on that. While I hope it remains the United States that they do this in? If, like I said, they moved it to a place like Brands Hatch, I wouldn't I wouldn't immediately be upset about that. But it, it would have to be a track that, you know, they can guarantee the cars aren't going to run out of energy, the cars aren't going to, like, top out, it's, you know, things like that. Um, it's got to be a short course that's also a natural terrain. And I think that's that's the happy medium, and I really think Portland is one of one of the best options that they have right now, and, and they shouldn't be messing it up. So that's my take on that. Yeah, definitely there's huge entertainment potential on Formula E, especially on permanent road courses, and we saw that with, with Portland. And it's just something that they need to capitalize on and really, really make sure that they don't leave this untapped potential. because if if this race is generating so much social media buzz, like more than the average race would, 
you would be they would be so foolish to not capitalize on that. Yeah, I mean it was exciting. That was I haven't watched as many Formula E races as you. I've watched all the highlights, but that might have been the most exciting race they've ever had. Uh, I have watched basically every race of I have ra- watched Formula E since the first race. I've missed a couple of races here and there, but I have followed the championship since its inception. I followed the championship when it was announced. That's how how much I know about it, Formula E. <laughs> I think it's got this is this is fantastic. Um, it, it had me thinking and when I wrote this question, I'm like, man, how, I know how I want to shift. It's up shift, but how do I answer? How do I answer this question? How do I, how do I give my opinion on how they can tap this this entertainment? Of course, a sporting entertainment, of course. And yeah, I think they need to look at short, permanent road courses. Um, I'm sure there's plenty in Europe that are, have at least a short configuration, right, that they can use. Um, but dang, I, I look also here in the States, I'm like, this is this is left field. I'm going to admit, this is left field, and this is something that's going to happen the next couple of years. Formula E America, North America, and then you have kind of your big Formula E that goes everywhere. Because here's the problem I think Formula E's having that there's they're they're having the same issue Formula One's having. And Formula One it's been obviously been around longer. This is 70 some years of Formula One. They need, as we've discussed, they need to kind of say down, look, these are like the 15 tracks we go to every year, and the other 10 dates are up for negotiation. Right, Formula E, I feel like doesn't have any marquee dates. There's nothing that sticks out to them. So the thing that is Monaco, I was and I was kind of guessing Monaco every other year. It's every other year, but it's still I think go to Monaco. Isn't it every year now? Uh, I can't remember. Is it? I think it's every year now. Originally, well, even even better. Yeah, I, I I think Monaco and maybe London are maybe their two dates. They're like these are our our our, our dates. I think they need to expand the cha- championship, and I think they kind of need to look at like, okay, how can we convince and find other manufacturers that aren't already in it? I think the next thing that they the one thing they definitely need to do is they need to be able to say, all right. Open up the trunk, take a battery out, put a new battery in. That's that's what they that's what that's what's going to happen in NASCAR. That's the only way electric I think racing is going to work in NASCAR for pit stops. Is you got to be able to replace that battery and put it out, plug it in, go boom. Um, I wish they, USB-C quick charging would oh, yes. would work. <laughs> that would be great. Just it, be great. you know, it, it you you it just just like a fueler. You just stick the USB drive right in the car while the the tire changers go around change tires and yep. then as soon as they drop the, the air jack you pull you pull yeah. the charger out <laughs> that, that, that'd be great oh by the way i looked it up here the the, the formula e qualifying this year was only 10 seconds off indycar so they were booking it Look, I think this part, this is, I think, this is a great step, and this is, this. I, I hope in 10 years' time, because next year's actually the 10th year for Formula E. I hope, in, I hope in 10 years' time we look at 
what we saw at Portland this weekend as a turning point. Like, this is when they realized, we got something here. We've got something that's really cool. Again, how do you, how do you capitalize on that from a number of races and locations? You obviously want to take this this electric form of racing to the act to the actual street circuits and cities, but it's clearly got a massive potential on permanent circuits. And I know there's are there are circuits in Europe that will work just like Portland. And United States has plenty of them as well. So you can still go to your street circuits, but don't shake a stick at at permanent road courses either. I would almost say like you want to go to Tokyo, great. Yeah. You can't there's not a permanent course there. You wanna go you wanna go to the Bahamas? Right. There's not a permanent circuit there. You gotta go you gotta find uh, you gotta build a street course. Maybe not the Bahamas, but Barbados has one. Barbados has one. Barbados mm. has one. I'm just saying, they, the Caribbean man, we made that we made that fictitious schedule, and I'm like, man, we gotta have a Caribbean e pre somewhere. It's a major hole in the schedule. But yeah, 100 percent Formula E big turning point this weekend. I think we're gonna look upon this as as um a, a, in the history books when you celebrate 25 years of Formula E. This is gonna be a big weekend for them. All right, we've got a couple more questions here. Uh, the repairs needed at Nashville Fairgrounds should only be an incentive for the Nashville Metro Council to vote for Speedway Motorsports and Bristol Motor Speedway to take over promotership of the Speedway. Do you upshift or downshift? Well, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, it's like, okay, well, here's the thing. Like, uh, the, the, the city pays, pays for the track, but then the track basically pays for itself, right? That's essentially what's going to happen. Now, again, I don't, I don't live in Nashville. I don't really know the Nashville politics scene very well, so I kind of feel kind of nervous to speak on this, um, especially since I know someone in Nashville. Joe, if you're listening, hi. Um, I, I, I just, I feel like that, that, that would be my thinking. Like it's like, okay, yeah, we invest this money now but then once the money's invested then we don't have to worry about it anymore it's like okay bristol speed smi they're gonna take care of all of this they're gonna basically make sure that the the track makes money and brings money into the 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 nashville economy um and it's a good thing and ultimately ultimately my whole thing is i i i i look if you saw the 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 nascar race I mean, I've I've never seen a sold out race, a sold out crowd at Nashville before. Like I, I don't. I mean, it doesn't happen except for when the Cup Series comes to town. So there's a there's a huge demand. There's a massive demand going on right now for racing at Nashville, and I feel like it's not a fad because they've had Bristol. Bristol is kind of gone away because of track changes track this and that but dude man nashville put on a great show and the super speedway did and i think the configuration of the fairgrounds combined with hopefully the gen the next gen car getting fixed or at the very least heck if the xfinity series or truck series goes back there oh it'd be instant classic instant classic right it just will be it just will be um so 
ultimately that's that's the real thing. That's the real thing a lot about this is is when when you're talking about taxpayer dollars using to fund to fund sporting events, a lot of it is that you you really just have to trust in the the people. You know, the people that live there that they want this and they're willing to pay for it and then they're willing to show up to the events and make it worthwhile and invite their friends and invite Make sure, and then their friends invite their friends, and then all of a sudden you got people flying out that normally wouldn't fly out, and and you know that it's got to be that ripple effect. You've got to really make sure that that can happen. My my worry is that you cannibalize things like right now. I mean, they got the Nashville Grand Prix, they got the NASCAR race. I mean, if they add another NASCAR race, is that going to cannibalize something? Is that going to mean you know less people go to all the races because now there's more options? Now people have to pick and choose. You know, that that's a possibility, you know, obvi- or unless, as I think we've talked about in the past, um, it is SMI. I don't know how much you could talk about this, but maybe it would be more feasible since both of them would be promoted by SMI, Nashville Sparegrounds and Super Speedway, that you could maybe do one of those ticket deals, you know, ticket bundles where, hey, if you're a Nashville president, resident, excuse me, Nashville resident, you can buy tickets to both the Super Speedway and the Fairgrounds race. And you can save money, you know, in, instead of, of paying for and, and throw in free parking while you're at it just as a good incentive. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if parking is free at those places. I, I imagine it's. You know, it's par- parking is free at Michigan. And I think that's cool. Yeah, I think that's pretty damn cool. That's why I'm going back. That's why I'm now going back every year. Parking is free. Pay for the ticket to get in. Bring your own food, lunch. Couldn't ask for a better way to spend a Sunday afternoon. There you go. So, anyway, before I get more off uh, off topic, that's that's my take on that. I think it's 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 a complicated issue because again, I don't live in Nashville. I can't really gauge what the people want there. Yeah. You know, if I did live in Nashville, I'd probably have a better idea, but I don't. So, I'm just going to give you my take from what it is, and if someone wants to correct me, they're more than welcome to, and I welcome new information. Um, I mean, from a 10,000-foot view, you just had an independent assessor come in and say $40 million in repairs. Track Enterprises has not got the money to pay for that. The current promoter. They don't have the money to pay that. Not too many other promoters are going to go in there with, like, yep, I got $40 million to spend on repairs, and I've got another $20 million to to jumpstart everything else. N- not too many people have that. Um, I think, I guess if I'm sitting on the council, I'm like, you know what? I look at, like, yes, you're going to maybe, we're probably going to have a major NASCAR weekend. They already got racing there nine, ten times a year. Um, I kind of got, again, this is coming from the fan, I, I don't have any insider knowledge. I just think that from a common sense standpoint, this may, this is one of the very few people, aside from someone with a huge chunk of money, you know, uh, you know, like a, a, a millionaire, billionaire type person coming in with a chunk of money saying, I just want to run the track. Probably a that, billionaire would be better. <laughs> yeah, a billionaire would be better. You're probably not going to have that happen. So I've been to Nashville Fairgrounds twice. For for two of our events at US Legend Cars. 
the track is definitely in need of repairs. It it absolutely need. There is a reason, sadly, that NASCAR left them for the Super Speedway in 2001. Of course, the agenda was bigger tracks, but it does need repairs. It absolutely does. It's not falling apart, mind you, but it needs repairs. So you, you you've you've got someone knocking on the door saying we want to take over we want to make this a great thing for the community i don't care who that is i don't care if it's the company i work for if it's some or if it's somebody else you know don't look a gimp horse in the mouth you know that, that kind of deal like like it's you it's right there in front of you again i don't know the politics either but it is it just always has seemed to me from the start when did this start? Like twenty twenty ish. It Around just seems, there, I think. Yeah, it has just seemed like this has just been a good deal from the start for everybody. There, obviously, doesn't matter where you're at today. People are going to come out and complain about something. Always, it doesn't matter. Um, my the hilarious thing is when you get people like I live like twenty minutes, twenty miles away. Like, oh. Then why are you here? <laughs> you know, why why are you complaining? You know, the noise ain't gonna bother you. But I think this is great. I think I, I up you. I think you should just kind of this should definitely get the wheels spinning a little quicker, at the very least. Um, because if the city's got to take care of it, I can promise you it's not going to be taken care of. You know, it just doesn't work that way. So. I upshift. I want to see. I want to see. I want to see every track like Nashville Fairgrounds. Have their their day in the sun. They get the attention they need, and someone walks in with the with some money to fix it up and 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 not make it so like obviously, you know. I, I, what if I told you, Rob? I told you this before. If I won, if I won the big lottery tomorrow, gonna pay off some debts, gonna buy a, a decent house, give give a few bit money away, get my dad. So like, hey, dad, guess what? You don't have to work anymore. You know, here's here's some money, right? And then I'm going to buy Kokomo Speedway, and I'm going to fix it up. I'm going to put brand new grandstands in that thing. I'm going to put grand, brand new catch fence, not touch the surface. That's that's what I've told. That's what I've said to you before. You know, but not everybody can do that. Not every track gets that lucky. Not every person who wins the lottery is a race fan. All right, we got two more questions here, both revolving around Josh Berry. So buckle in. Do you upshift or downshift that Josh Berry makes the 2024 NASCAR Cup Series playoffs? Oh my gosh, this is one of those way too early things. Like, we don't even know if Stuart Haas is even going to be. This is, why I, this is why I asked it, though. It gets I you know. Think. All right. Um, why not? I can see him getting a win. I'll upshift. Why not? I mean, he looked yeah. good in his cup starts. I think he'll run up front. As it, this all depends. Okay, let's hypothetically say Stuart Haas Racing is not complete garbage next last next year. Yeah. Yes, I can. I can totally see him doing. He ran. He had good runs, like relatively good runs in 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 Hendrick cars. I I really don't see why that would be out of the realm of possibility. If not a win, uh, he could probably at the even point his way into the playoffs with just being consistent again if Stuart Haas is not garbage. I'm going to upshift based off of one reason. Rod and Childers. He's his crew chief. That four car, doesn't matter how poorly 
the 10, the 14, or the 41 run, that four car finds a way to get a top 10. And top 10 should get you into the playoffs. Right? You get enough of them, you're going to get enough points. Probably going to have enough stage points. You're going get, to get, get, some good, get some good points, and you might find a way in the playoffs. Brian Childers is the reason that Josh Berry will make the playoffs. I don't think he'll win next year, but I think he'll point his way into the playoffs. And it's solely based off of who his crew chief is. If he was taking over any of the other three cars, I would say no. He doesn't make the playoffs. So with that, do you upshift or downshift that Josh Berry is the only new driver at Stewart House Racing in the Cup Series in 2024? Uh, right now, I'm... I'm gonna I'm gonna say yeah. I mean, Almirola still seems like he's doesn't seem like he keeps saying like, yeah, I want to retire, and then he goes home and he spends time with his family, and then he's like, eh, you know, maybe I'll wait till the kids are maybe a little little more grown up. I don't know if that's actually happening, but I'm 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 being flippant. I'm making a joke, but I I, I don't see Almirola retiring right now things could mm-hmm. change his attitude could change his opinion could change he could win some races and then decide yeah i'm gonna run another three years i man i don't know i don't know uh but but what i do know is that yeah i think i think it's pretty safe uh, it's, it's probably a pretty safe bet that almirola will will run another year yeah, I'm very torn on this one. I don't know. I said from the start, and I'm going to go ahead and stand by my word, that I said whenever this was back in August, I think, I think is when uh, August 2022, when we found out that Eric Almarola had signed a two-year contract along with Smithfield to race at Stewart House Racing at 2023 and 2024. I'm going, I'm going to stand by my word and say, we had, I think we had an upshift-downshift question about this where he said that Alec Amarillo would only run one year. I'm going to stand by that. I'm going to stand by that. And I'm going to say downshift. I think, I think Zane Smith or Michael McDowell is going to be in that 10 car next year. And I'm going to lean towards more towards the Zane Smith side of the ring. So... I just hope it if it is it is Zane so that Todd keeps his ride. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah that that's a great point. That's a great point. Yeah, or or you know, in either scenario, I could see it, it, look if Michael McDowell goes to the ten car, Zane Smith's like the shoe in for front row, right? Mm-hmm. Unless he goes to Penske and Harrison Burton goes to front row. <laughs> I don't know. We're just tossing. I'm just tossing four drivers around here, like like I'm in charge of things. But uh, I I'm going to downshift. I think uh, I think Josh Berry and another driver will be new faces at Stuart Haas in 2024. So I'm going to stand by my word. All right, Rob. Uh, weekend wrap up. Take it away. All right. Let's take a look at all the races that happened over the weekend. We talked about the Formula E race in Portland. Uh, Nick Cassidy. My goodness, the way he defended that race, the way he won that race, using the dragon on the front and back stretch like it was Indianapolis. And he hung on. I, I, I genuinely enjoyed the entire last five laps of that race, and I didn't ever want it to end. Um, it, was, it was just, it was amazing. 
Um, Jake Dennis gave it everything in his power to try and get by Nick Cassidy. And Cassidy was just giving it his all. And and, and I want to say this to any detractor who sits there and says, Oh, that's not racing because they weren't going full throttle all the way. And I'm like, how is this any different from Formula 1? Formula 1 doesn't re refuel during the race. You have to literally... I mean, there are periods of time throughout the race, uh, throughout a Formula 1 Grand Prix, where drivers are... Well, shocker, not going full out, full throttle, because they're saving fuel. <laughs> yeah, because how many times were we like, well, we, we were predicting three safety cars today, which will total nine laps. Oh, crap. We got three to go, and we haven't had a safety car. We need you to save. <laughs> you know, yeah. that does happen. Exactly. And the, the only difference between the two is in Formula One, the cars are, you know, made differently, so they're going to gap each other. They're going to be... One one's quicker than the other. In Formula E, the cars are spec. The only thing that's different is the powertrains. Okay? So, yeah. When guys are saving energy, they're gonna pack up. Guys are gonna try and draft behind one another because that means that they can use the draft, run half throttle, and not lose any time. Yeah. And then be able to catch, get more regen uh, 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 on the brake. Also capitalize on the regen on the brake. It... it, it it was pure racing. It 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 had it literally had a little bit of everything. It scratched every itch as a race fan, I think, for me. Um a thrilling finish, crazy chaotic start, eventful race overall, three four wide racing. I mean, it, it just it it was it was outstanding. It was outstanding, and it, it, it's a chess match between these guys, especially, like, you know, I mean, like I said, when I when I compared it earlier to, you know, Talladega and Indianapolis having a Gen Z baby, I mean, that's really what it is. At Talladega, it's it's that 200-mile-an-hour chess match, right? Well, this is a 171-mile-an-hour chess match, okay? And, you know, it's all about where do you want to be at the at the end of the race, and how much energy can you save so that you can go towards the end of the race? When do you use the attack mode? Because, you know, the thing about that was crazy about the attack mode was because everybody was so packed up, use, when, when drivers had to activate attack mode, it didn't really, they, only they didn't lose as many spots on average as they normally would, like going into attack mode. Usually when you take attack mode, eh, you go back maybe three, four, or five spots. These guys are only use, losing like one or two, maybe, and then just rejoining the pack three wide. <laughs> like, it was nothing with, you know, extra energy, now extra power. So it was just all over the place, full of different strategy, fuel of, full of fuel, like energy saving, you know, different, you know, driver games, head games between the two. So, and again, it all came down to the way the Indy 500 ended by drivers having to use the dragon to prevent a last lap pass. Because let's be honest, watch the last lap of that race again. I genuinely believe if Nick Cassidy doesn't use the dragon, I think that, that Dennis gets him. I think that Dennis would have been able to easily pass him. And I know they were both super low on energy. They was getting right there. Like it would have been tough either way, but it was still a fantastic run to the finish, and it was still a super close finish. I was so upset I couldn't watch this race live because the highlights were fantastic. 
this oh God, it was, I mean, we've, we've said it every time on the show it was a fantastic race and i agree with you if people are detracting this race i don't know what to tell you i don't know what you're looking for you must be looking for a red bull and a bunch of williams on a track every single week there are there people who can't get over the no sound Like I guarantee, I, I hear tires squeaking. I hear tires squeaking. That's enough for me. Go stand on the pit lane right there, and by the wall, as they as they drag in through and they pass you, you're gonna hear yeah. something. I promise. You're you. gonna hear a big old whoosh, yeah. that's gonna remind you of a granitarily turbine at Indianapolis. <laughs> oh, there you go from the Indy 500 vault. Love it. Yeah. No, seriously. If if you go to a legend, a vintage race. And you hear, if you haven't heard, a, a Granatelli turbine engine, like, fly by you at speed, it is very similar to how a Formula E race sounds. If, like, when you were, when you were actually there and hearing the pack go by. Yeah. Like, like, you hear the sound and then you don't, but you, like, yeah, the engine is making sound, or the motor is making sound, you, you can kind of hear the whirring and everything, but you, what you really hear is the air pressure. Yeah. air pressure changing so rapidly as you go by that's what that's what's really cool that's the fun experience about it so and either way um so yeah that was the formula e race in portland uh on sunday we had uh, a thrilling six hours of the glen uh always one of my favorite uh sports car races because in all honesty anytime you're running the boot configuration at watkins glen with prototypes whoo can't go wrong Cannot go wrong. That's always a good fun time. Uh, but as I mentioned early, earlier in the show with the news segment, uh, the leader, the, the the winner of the race did not cross the finish line first in GP, GTP. Um, so BMW Team RLL was the official victor. They are, they are credited as actually winning the race. So Nick uh, Yelloy and Conor Filippi were the victors uh, in GTP. But Penske is naturally unhappy because again they mentioned that hey this this uh this skid block it's like millimeters off. Meanwhile, MSR got to keep their Rolexes for way worse. I was I was someone pointed out on Twitter and I forgive it who who it was that the reason they got the win stripped was that they found it in post race tech. And that the reason they got to keep uh, uh, Marshank got to keep their Rolex win was that it was found after, like after the fact. Do you agree with that? Uh, it's they're both technically illegal cars. See, I would. I, that's why I said back in Daytona, back in Feb- January, then like Marshank should have been stripped of the win. Uh, yeah, I I I, 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 I understand Pinsky's. Dismay. Pinsky had a bad weekend, by the way. I oh my kind gosh, of, yeah, they did. We're, we're jumping forward here to the Cup Series a little bit here, but bam, Ryan Blaney took a hit in the half um, in the Cup, and then Formula E uh, with their little deal. If you had a Penske. Yeah, Jay Penske's, Jay Penske's team, not Rogers, Jay's, yeah. his son. Yeah, uh, Penske attached names were, were had a rough weekend. Yeah, oh boy. Um, but uh, yeah, just 
interesting in in, in that in that race. But uh, then in LMP2, it was CrowdStrike Racing, Ben Hanley, Nolan Siegel, and George Kurtz. Nolan Siegel is in NXT, right? Indie NXT, not NXT, the wrestling. Sorry. Um, so I, 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 hey man, I get it mixed up. And people call it Indie Next, and I'm just like, no, it's 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 Indie NXT. Like you can't. Anyway, um, he's doing pretty well. So, uh, and then in LMP3, the dentist category, uh, we had a dentist moment about <laughs> with about two hours left in the race. <laughs> so I don't know if you saw that. No. Uh, we had a dentist moment. Um, but uh, the winning LMP3 team was Riley Motorsports, Felipe Fraga, Josh Burden, and Gar Robinson. Uh, and then in GTD and GTD Pro, it was a Vassar Sullivan sweep. Uh, in GTD, Aaron Tielitz, Parker Thompson, and Frankie Montecalvo. GTD Pro, Jack Hawksworth, Ben Barnacote. Um, the only thing I want to say about this really is, uh, so as I was watching this race, obviously there were storms going through, and 15 minutes south of me were a couple of EF2 scored tornadoes. <laughs> so I didn't really know how bad peacock botched the ending of this coverage but i was watching on peacock and i guess shows how you so it shows you how much i was paying attention to the end because of all the storms right um but yeah i guess peacock took a full screen break uh with six or six or seven minutes left in the race <laughs> which was bad because the race ended under caution because a car hit the wall and flipped over so, Fox level bad. Yeah, that is Fox level bad. And, 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 and the other thing that IMSA fans and myself have been really mad about is because we go to Peacock because we know it's like full uninterrupted coverage. You know, we get the full thing. We don't have to worry about, you know, switching channels or anything. You know, we just keep it on Peacock and that's it. For whatever reason, they only do full screen ads. Like, if they cut to a side by side, it only happens on the cable channel. On Peacock, you get a full screen ad. Again, that's why I'm so I, I I've brought this up before. And I'm not going to go into a harp. Why can't it be the same on both? Yeah, why? I don't understand that. That should be part of like. Hey, by the way, when you buy this TV ad, it's this price because it's going to be you're going to be on broadcast and it's going to be on Peacock. I just it it baffles me. So it it was weird. Um. The Forgotten About Arco Menard series was at Elko. It, hey, they had a race last week at Berlin. Now they have another race at Elko. Did you know about these two races? No, you totally forgot about them until you realized something was on FS1 and 2. This race was on FS2, by the way. It was barely promoted, for what it's worth. But I watched it before I switched over to an American Dad rerun. What's that? When was the last time you saw an Arco Menard series race commercial in general? Not general time. Well, did you know uh, Brayton Laster is signing Arkham Menards series posters around the lo central Indiana area? Nope. He he posted on Twitter that he's doing that, and now it is my goal to try and find a poster that he has signed. Nice. Yeah. Um. Yeah. He he's that one pizza man on Twitter, and uh, he's from Greenwood, Indiana, which is where I live. So. And he races at the Speed Drome, and he races in Arca, so it's kind of cool to see, like, a local guy going out there and racing, so. Absolutely. Anyway, um, so in the in that Arca Menard series race, uh, Jesse Love won the race. It was another 
race with William Sawalich, but uh, Frankie Muniz got put into the wall, or he put himself into the wall or whatever. He had a bad crash, but he's still second in the points, which is all that matters. He is still second in points. He is still second in points. That's what matters. Uh, In the truck series, Carson Hosevar won uh, at Nashville. That was a big win for him. He got to uh, play the guitar on the MTV, not the MTV, on the FS1. Um, That was a Dire Straits reference for those of you too young to get that. Uh, In the Xfinity series at Nashville, we talked about, we did the whole, you know, featured paint scheme in honor of him. AJ Adderadderadderallmendinger was the victor. Um, He got that win there. It was a good win for him. Cool to see. Cool to see him get that dub. Um, and then the Cup Series at Nashville, Ross the Boss Chastain uh, makes it a sweep for uh, WWX or whatever e- Wex Racing that whatever sponsors him. I can't really pronounce it. Uh, but he he that was a fun race. I, I want to applaud NBC's coverage for really illustrating just how intense those last you know fifty laps were. Um, you know I think Fox would have. Clearly, just not really cared, not really explained to the viewer why this was a, you know, 180-mile-an-hour chess match. That's what I keep getting frustrated with. That's what I liked so much about NBC's coverage was that they go through and they talk about, okay, here's what the driver's probably trying to do. You know, here's what, here's how they're trying to drive. What? Look, look, watch. You see, like, they point out instances. Say, hey, look, look, Truex is, is taking a higher line. He's trying to arc it in. Uh, he's trying to arc it in higher in the corner so that he could get down lower in the center of the corner, you know? And I'm like, wow, that's really great information to give to the viewer. That keeps my interest. Thank you, NBC, for bothering to, ed- to you know, tell us what's going on, actually doing your jobs as commentators. Uh, instead of just being goofy, well, I tell you this, man, look at that guy. Ooh, doggy, look at that. Whatever Clint Boyer's did not see that. Is. Did not see that coming, Mike. Did not see that coming. Yeah, I didn't see this coming, Mike. I didn't see this coming. But you can win my money by going to Fox Pit. It's not actually my money, but we're going to pretend it's my money. It's also Terry Bradshaw's money. It's not part of a problem. pool that they take out of our paychecks every week. It's another tax. Um, Rob. <laughs> okay, what uh, do, do you want to say? One thing, like quick, quick answer. Should Almendinger have been penalized? Should, should NASCAR should Almendinger been penalized? For, for no, it's not like the car was illegal when it went through tech. It got a, it got damage in the race. If car yep. gets damaged during the race, and okay, there's nothing nefarious going on. It was just general crash damage. Then more power to you. You remember, I, I. I Cole Custer, maybe you're too young to remember, but I remember back when I was a kid watching Bristol races where they would just straight pull a whole rear bumper off because it was more aerodynamic. Yep. Like, it got damaged, and they were just like, oh, pull the whole rear bumper off. We'll go faster. We'll go five mile an hour faster. And they just ran, ran a rear deck lead. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Nope, nobody... I mean, if it won, good for it, but didn't usually win. But the point, point was, like, that they used to do that. Maybe not yep. just at Bristol either, like it, at faster tracks, like a mile and a half or something. Like, yeah, they would, if that thing got damaged, they just pull a whole rear thing off and send it back out. Yeah. Say, have fun. And I maybe, think, maybe I try to pick up some spots. Wrong. Yeah, I didn't think there was anything wrong with it. I think, uh, yeah, I agree with what probably uh, 
Steve said if NASCAR had found a problem with it, they would have made they would have made him change it, and there was nothing that was that that bad. If you had a problem with it as a driver, hit him under caution, knock it back in. <laughs> you know, uh, just saying. Rob, air out senior performance. Who you got? Oh, I got to give it to Nick Cassidy. I mean, just the defense of the last several laps of that race. I mean, I genuinely did. I thought I was, I thought the whole time, I was like, it's going to come down to a last lap pass. There's no way Nick Cassidy's going to win this race. I mean, he's, I mean, I, I felt the whole time, Jake Dennis is in the catbird seat. He's going to win this thing. But Nick Cassidy proved to me, reproved to me, and proved again to everybody else why he's so good. And also why... Um, Super formula can be just as uh, just as important of a springboard or of as a series for development um, as as IndyCar or as anyone else, you know. Because Nick Cassidy, you know, was a quite literally for a couple of years there the dominant driver in Super Formula in Japan, and it, you know a lot of you know, pundits were making notes and being like, okay, when is this guy going to get, you know, an F1 ride, an IndyCar ride? You know, when is he going to make that next step for his career? You know, because ultimately he's not Japanese. You know, this is not a goal for him. You know, Japanese drivers, yeah, they see Super Formula as a career. Other people do see Super Formula as a career, but for most people, I mean, they might see it the way other people view IndyCar. It's just a stepping stone to something else. Um, whether I agree with that or not is irrelevant. My point is Nick Cassidy proved to everybody that, hey, yes, look, the skills I learned here in Super Formula have transferred over, and now, he, I mean, I can't deny this guy made one hell of a defense. I would not have been able to do that. Conserving energy while running out of it, mind you, and holding off a pack of hungry, hungry honeybees behind me. Like, uh, I wouldn't have been able to do it. So that's why he gets my outstanding performance. I'm actually going to just want to highlight NBC. You, you said great job this weekend. Um, refreshing to see that someone who still knows how to do it. Um, AJ Allmendinger. I mean, another strong Cup Series performance. Uh the results of this team are slowly improving both from qualifying and race. Uh, Haley had his best qualifying effort of his career uh, in the 31. Yeah, Winamax's own was pretty fast in qualifying. I dug it. Yeah, absolutely. But in Almanager, it's just, this is my fear, man. This is my fear that he's going to lose that enthusiasm and that energy not winning every five races or in contending every race for a win like he was in the past two seasons in the Xfinity series. Um, but the results are improving. I don't think they make the playoffs, but the results are improving uh, for that team. Again, both in qualifying and race. That's great to see him. Obviously, he had a great race in the Xfinity series. Was it aided by a little bit of arrow held from a car damage? Yeah. Probably, let's be honest, probably was. But he had a great race. He kept it, he kept it straight, didn't screw up, didn't speed on pit road. You know, he, he, he had he had to put together, right? Ferrari has a great car, but they mumble it up every time, except for Canada for some reason. Um, so, you know, good to see uh, good to see Old Omendinger and Kala getting better in the Cup Series. That, that was my outstanding performance this week. 
All right. Well, Rob, should I go into the featured season? Yeah, I think you should. Get our uh, listeners out of here a little early. We're at an hour and 43 minutes right now. Woohoo, everybody. Everybody, if you're waiting for that two-hour mark, you might want to think about having to turn on some morning drive radio if you got a two-hour commute, which, by the way, I feel bad for you if that's the case. That is horrible. What do you do? Live in New York City or something, man? Commute from San Francisco to L.A.? I don't know. That's a little bit more than two hours. A little more than two hours. I don't know California geography as well as other people. San Francisco to San Jose, is that more accurate? That's probably more accurate. Okay. Yeah, that's probably more accurate. Yeah. All right. uh, The last season where more than 10 constructors were in Formula One wasn't that long ago. It was 2016. Uh, And because I'm an upset American and motorsport fan, uh, I just thought I'd highlight this season where F1, yes, you did have 11 constructors. So the season consisted of 21 events, uh, up two from 2015. The European Grand Prix returned uh, with Formula One, or in Formula One, uh, as a travel to uh, back for the first time. And uh, then the German Grand Prix returned after being absent in 2015 uh, because it was supposed to be rotating between Hockenheim and, and Nürburgring, but the Nürburgring didn't host in 2015, so Hockenheim was doing it basically every other year. Uh, Sad arrangement there. Sad. It's so sad. You've got all these Germans and German manufacturers in Formula One. And you don't even go to Germany. What is wrong with this picture? Again, one of the permanent Grand Prix. All right. Uh, finishing eleventh in the constructors' championship was Manor. Uh, the team's best finish was tenth in the Austrian Grand Prix, which is coming up this weekend with Pascal Veyron. And uh, he ran the entire season for them and tied for eighteenth in the final standings. Rob, is it Rio Harianto? Rio Harianto, yes. Okay, sweet. Uh, Google was not confident on that one. Uh, started the season uh, as, a, as a second driver, but was demoted to reserve during the summer holiday break due to the lack of sponsorship, and Esteban Ocon was elevated to replace him. Marcus Erickson and Felipe Nassar uh, ran the whole season for Sauber. Erickson's best finish was a trio of 12th place finishes in Bahrain. Catalonia and uh, Malaysia. Nazar's best finish was ninth in Interlagos in Brazil. Uh, Renault was ninth in the Constructors' Championship. Kevin Magnussen and Julian Palmer uh, were both there the entire season. Uh, Magnussen's uh, only two points finishes were seventh at Sochi and tenth in Singapore. Uh, Palmer scored a tenth place finish in Malaysia. Haas, their first season resulted in an eighth place finish in the Constructors' Championship. Pretty good. I mean. I mean, I think that was pretty solid. I have a length structure. You finished eighth in your first season. Dang good job. Uh, Roma Grosjean scored five points finishes, including three of the first four races of the season. It only got worse from there. Uh, but uh, a fifth place at Bahrain was his best result. Esteban Gutierrez failed to score a single points finish, but finished 11th five times. So he was knocking on the door. Uh, Toro Rosso finished seventh. Max Verstappen raced for the first four races of the season with them before being promoted to Red Bull. Uh, and uh, he was replaced by the man he replaced, Daniel Kvyat. Uh, Verstappen scored a finish of the 10th, 6th, 8th, and then retired in his first four starts. Kvyat scored three points finishes, uh, the best in ninth at Singapore. Carlos Sainz was the dr- other driver of the second car that ran the full season. Um, and uh, he scored 10 points finishes with a best of sixth three times. 
McLaren was sixth in the Constructors' Championship. Fernando Alonso ran 20 of the 21 races after missing by rain after an incident in the uh, season opening race in Australia. Uh, he had nine points finishes with the best of fifth at Monaco. Stoffel Van Dorn replaced him in Bahrain, where he finished 10th. And then Jensen Button ran the full season, uh, best finish of sixth in Austria. In fifth was Williams. Yes, Williams at one point was not the bottom of the barrel. Of course, they're not the bottom of the barrel this year. It's Alpha Tauri. Set to see that. Um, but uh, at Williams, they had Felipe Massa and Valtteri Botas complete. Completing the entire season, and Botas finished fourth, and Russia and Masa's best was a uh, two fifth place finishes. Force India today, Aston Martin uh, was fourth in constructors. Sergio Perez, Nico Hulkenberg, their two drivers for the entire year. Perez had a pair of thirds in Monaco and Baku, and whereas uh, Hulkenberg's uh, best finish was fourth in Belgium, still wasn't able to get that podium. Poor Hulkenberg. Poor Hulkenberg. Let's hope it rains. Where's Hulkenberg's best track? You know. Uh, I, um, not off the top of my head. Okay. Well, wherever his best track is, we need it to rain. And we need Haas to just blitz the field. Can we make that happen? Can we arrange I... that? We'll see. Okay. Work on that. That's your homework. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All <laughs> right. Ferrari finished third. Uh, and was the highest constructor in points not to score a Grand Prix victory this year. Uh, Vettel finished uh, fourth in the points, three second-place finishes, and had seven podiums. Kimi Raikkonen had four podiums this year. Uh, then there was Red Bull. Second constructors, Kvyat's four finishes were, uh, I did not start, uh, seventh, a third, and a fifteenth. Max Verstappen scored a win in his very first career start with Red Bull. His first career victory, um, and that was the Spanish Grand Prix. He scored six more podiums, and Daniel Ricciardo had eight podiums and had one victory in the Malaysian Grand Prix. Uh, Mercedes, oh Mercedes, everyone's favorite Mercedes, uh, finished first uh, and scored 19 Grand Prix victories between Lewis Hamilton and, and Nico Rosberg. Rosberg opened the season up with four straight victories and scored a total of nine wins across the season. Hamilton scored 10 victories. The pair, obviously, had 42 starts, and between them had 33 podiums. That's pretty good, right? I mean, that's just a good old-fashioned spanking. Rosberg, though, edged Hamilton by five points to win the 2016 World Championship, and then promptly retired and said sayonara. And now he makes YouTube videos. And now he just badmouths everybody in, yeah. <laughs> on Sky Sport. He is like negative Nelly out there. Just... I beat Lewis Hamilton, therefore I know what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's kind of it. I mean, I think that's a t-shirt he wears. Well, I, I, well don't you think he owned that t-shirt? I, I think he does. I think he made that just for him, and he and he when he's scrolling through his shirts in his closet, he runs across that one and goes ah, and then just goes on. So I will is that now me? make uh, a T-shirt for that I will gift to Juan Pablo Montoya that says I beat Greg Ray, and he will promptly punch me in the face. Um, 
take your glasses off first before he does that, Rob. Oh, yeah. I, I don't have vision insurance for another 30 days. <laughs> yeah, I will definitely take those glasses off. Or just wait 31 days until you hand the shirt. <laughs> PM. All right. Uh, what's in the windshield here? Uh, Formula E takes a few weeks off before a doubleheader uh, for the Rome uh, E-Prix. July 15th and 16th before the final two races of the season and a doubleheader at, you know, for the London E-Prix. Uh, July 29th and July 30th. Supercars returns uh, in a week's time with the Townsville 500. IMSA heads to uh, uh, north of the border. Hey, Canadian Tire and Motorsports Park getting some North American racing action here. Uh, that's great to see. Um, and that's also in a week's time. Uh, Formula One returns to Europe this Sunday with the Red Bull Ring. Uh, a lot of European races coming up here in the next couple months. Uh, IndyCar races at Mid-Ohio on Sunday, and then NASCAR, downtown Chicago for the street course. First time they've been there since 1956, and that was Soldier Field. In uh, the Xfinity Series, will also be there. That's a Saturday, a couple of weeks on Sunday. They're going to be racing against the setting sun, which makes zero sense to me. I don't get yeah, this. Do they have lights? Does, we need, did, did anyone ask Bob Pachris, does Chicago have lights? I mean, it has a skyline. Uh, what? Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. Okay, okay. I have a great. It doesn't count. It doesn't count. I have a. I'm going to. I'm actually going to. When we're done here, I'm going to write down an upshift downshift question. Okay, good. It's for next week's show, and uh, it is related to the statement I've just made. Again, I will reread it to you. NASCAR returns to downtown Chicago for the first time since 1956 and Soldier Field. With the NASCAR Xfinity Series and the NASCAR Cup Series when they race on the streets of Chicago Saturday and Sunday. I challenge you to figure out what this up your township question is, people. I do it. Okay. I'm tired of talking like a dictator today. Conclusion here, folks. Thanks for uh, uh, for listening. Hope you're enjoying it. Hopefully, if you're one of our new listeners, you enjoyed this show again yet today. Let us know your thoughts on... Uh, on the featured paint scheme. What do you think the standout AJ Allmendinger paint scheme is? Any series at any time that he's driven. Uh, let us know. Uh, make sure you subscribe to whatever platform you're listening uh, to us on. We're on multiple ones now, thanks to Rob's diligent work. Uh, great job to Rob on that one. And uh, make sure you do follow us to uh, see when uh, the new show comes out. Uh, the show's at, at Rob and Roller. Uh, just as it sounds, R-O-B-A-N-D-R-O-L-L-E-R. Rob is at rpeters33. That's R-P-E-E-T-R-S-33. And I'm at roller underscore zero one. R-O-L-L-E-R underscore zero one. Elon Musk still has not kicked off at roller yet. I need it to happen, folks. It's okay. I learned that my uh, new employer, WTHR, their Twitter handle has to be WTHRcom because someone in 2000 and, like, a couple of months before they started their Twitter, took the handle WTHR. Nice. And has not tweeted or logged in since then. That's got... Just kick them off. Kick them off. All right. Uh, let's end the show here. Robert, we, we, you did such a great job with the news. We're only at it an hour and 55 minutes. That's fantastic. Uh, any final... With that, Rob, any final thoughts? Nope. I think we should go on home. <laughs> all right i gave him an opportunity and he said no let's go all right for rob peters i'm josh roller and this has been the racing with robin roller podcast have a great fourth of july weekend if you're here in the states 
Uh, have a great Australian uh, weekend there in the Red Bull Ring. And everyone, please enjoy the Chicago Street Course.